Pack your bags, fools. We're talking about the travel industry on this consumer goods edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in beautiful Alexandria, Virginia, just south of the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. And to my left is the one and only Vincent Shen. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, Sean. So uh, we're talking about the travel industry, and uh, I have a feeling that we're not talking about travel agents, are we? Virtual travel Virtual. Agents. Oh, well, fancy. <laughs> that, that's very poetic. Um, so first of all, it's basically... We're going to be talking about like the price lines and the expedies of the world, um, but I actually wanted to. I, I did a little research before we came down here, and uh, aided by your friend of mine, Wikipedia, and uh, I found some interesting tidbits about how all this got started. Um, guess when the online travel industry actually, like, what decade it actually first popped up? Uh, I'm going to guess that it came around with the advent of the internet. You're half right. Half right. Why is that? One of these systems, so all this goes back to online travel booking getting started long ago in the 1970s. Online travel in the yeah. 70s? How's that? Hear me out, hear me out. Uh, American Airlines began offering travel agencies access to their electronic reservation system that was originally internal, and it's called Sabre. It's S-A-B-R-E. I like that And name. that happened in 1978, and that eventually found its way onto... America Online in the 1990s. Oh, that is. And the crazy thing is um, the the price lines and the kayaks and everything today, they still – Sabre is still an internal system that they use to get flight data for, for, for you know, searches that people run. So that's lasted, you know, 30, 40 yeah, years. Yeah, it's a 40-year-old internal – it's kind of like uh, what is – the internet started as like a military type like, – that's what this was. It was an internal thing for American Airlines that they just threw to travel agents, and we still use it today to get some of our American Airlines flights through Priceline.com and stuff. Oh, wow. It's very so, interesting. The more you know. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, so, Vince, how big is this industry? Okay, so I assume th- we're going to be talking about billions with a B. Yeah, there's some. Uh, it depends on how you look at it. Overall, the U.S. tourism market's a 96 billion dollar a year industry. Does that include international? Uh, I'm actually not 100 percent certain on that. Uh, I think that is uh, inclusive, though. Either way, it goes: groceries, cars, then travel. So yeah, so obviously a very big industry, and with that in mind, uh, for the online travel agents like these Priceline. Uh, Expedia, Orbitz companies, they're, they're definitely uh, going through a period of very fierce competition, not just amongst themselves, but it's new players coming in, ones that I've used recently myself, things like Airbnb and uh, even Amazon and Google are kind of getting into the, into the uh, flight booking business. So who are the major players as things stand now? Well, originally, you know, people would talk about the big four who controlled about 95% of the online booking market, those being Priceline, uh, Orbitz, Expedia, and Travelocity. But those are going to quickly become the big two due to some... Uh, very, very soon. We'll get to that in a second. Due to the fact that uh, Expedia has, in the pa- in two months, in two months, one for, you know, in January and in February, they, they scooped up two of the smaller players, those being uh, Travelocity and Orbitz. Yeah, one of the things that always sticks out to me when I I you know look at this industry like Priceline is the number of websites that they'll own. Because when we say they own the majority of the market, it's like a, a it's you know not quite a monopoly situation, but they don't do it through just their namesake websites like Expedia.com and Priceline.com. Um, for example, 
Um, Expedia, you know, this website was originally owned and created by Microsoft. Fun fact, it was actually Microsoft's first internet property. Um, they own 30 localized sites in 30 different countries. Priceline actually makes, I think, something like thir- uh, 60% of its net income, don't quote me folks, but a big chunk of its net income in Europe through all these localized sites for each of the countries and everything. Um, but uh, this, they've kind of perfected this model because these companies literally mint money. Yeah, they're doing very, very well. And like you said, uh you know, when I talk, when we talk about an Expedia or a Priceline, you know, they have this entire umbrella of sites and brands within their holdings. So, for example, Priceline has their Priceline namesake site, but they also have Booking.com, and they also picked up Kayak, RentalCars.com, Hotels.com. They own Open Table. Yes. Booking a little 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 restaurant action there. They've got they just bought a Asian based site at Goda dot com. So they've got scores of these sites, and it's the Open Table deal is definitely interesting. I'm glad that you mentioned that. That you know they picked that up last summer. What do you think about for that? about two point six billion dollars? Well, I think the issue is, um, you know, like I said, the, uh, very heightened levels of competition combined with the fact that you know right now these companies hold overall maybe about. I think it was something along the lines of uh, 45% of total travel sales in the country. Oh, wow. And the issue is that, you know, a lot of the what remains of that is done through kind of specialist business, like booking for business travelers where they're not going to be as concerned about, you know, their rates and things along those lines. So it's kind of, they're reaching this point where things are capping off. So what we're seeing is some of this consolidation, but also companies like Priceline are trying to move into kind of, unconventional areas to to boost their growth they can certainly afford it um i came across their i just hopped over to s&p capital iq earlier um guess what their return on equity was for the last five years on average for Priceline, yeah. Oh, I've I've seen these numbers before. They're pretty impressive. It's thirty percent. Yeah, it's it's thirty six point nine eight percent. It got as high into the forties. And for comparison, like you know, Warren Buffett's one of his favorite companies. Coke is in the low thirties. So this is, I mean, they are minting money. It yeah. is staggering how much they have free cash flow last year of two point eight billion dollars, and all this can be had for the low low PE of twenty one. Therefore, that's what really surprised me more than anything. Actually, well, it's lower than the other guys, isn't it? Uh, keep in mind that Priceline current share price is almost twelve hundred dollars a share. So stock split, um, you know, market caps around sixty billion dollars. Uh, and they gross. They're surprisingly actually in two thousand fourteen, their gross bookings were very similar to Expedia's total gross bookings around fifty billion dollars. And I was really surprised that considering you know some of the growth numbers have been putting up, you know, for the their five year Kager. Uh, growth rate for their revenue and earnings were about 30 and 35 percent for the past five years it's impressive so 21 times for you know expected 2015 earnings for the the, the, the multiple yeah it's not bad and you know for just for a little bit of context you know orbits which got picked up in february by expedia um that 12 dollar uh offer per share which was a i think 25 percent premium to the last closing price was about 75 times expected earnings for Orbitz. So that's a pretty rich valuation. Yeah. See, that's what I couldn't figure out because you look at, you know, 
Priceline and Expedia from a investment standpoint, and Expedia, I mean, they're awesome as well. They've got a market cap of $13 billion, net income of $400 million, free cash flow each year of over a billion dollars. And you compare that to Priceline, it's like, okay, they're smaller, but they're you know doing equally well. Then it kind of staggers off from there because Orbitz, they are not nearly as strong a business. And I'm kind of like, why are they getting acquired? <laughs> well, I think it's just, um, it's still uh, overall, I think, just the fact that the for Expedia especially, you know, the the growth avenue is shrinking, and so it's ultimately an additive. You know, I think they're expecting like seventy five million dollars in cost savings, for example. So uh, within the industry, it works for them, and it also pushes them up a little bit so that their market share for you know overall travel is about six percent. Prices at five percent. They're the two biggest once uh, you factor in the combined entity. And keep in mind that Expedia with Orbitz, is gonna, they're going to have Expedia, Hotels.com, Travelocity, Hotwire, Trivago, Cheap Tickets. That's a lot of... I forgot about Hotwire. Yeah. That, that, you know, that pretty much is most of the sites that I've even considered using when I look up hotels, airfare, and things along those Yeah, I think lines. I'm a kayak man. I don't know. <laughs> well, Priceline likes that then. Yeah, they own that. They own that. Um, so what do you think is going to happen with the industry going forward five, ten years? Is this kind of a, okay, in ten years it'll be a duopoly and it'll be, that'll be it. Slow growth, making tons of money, paying lots of dividends, something like that. Uh, that's tough to say. I, I think there's some new entrants to the market. There always seems to be something new in the industry and that could kind of shake things up. Uh, you know, when we're walking down here, I was t- telling you about Google. Uh, they they uh, paid $700 million for ITA software, which provided them with the technology that they need to like essentially search the web, pull routes, pull fares for their service called Google Flight Search. So that launched a few years ago. Um, you know, I don't think it's taken off significantly, but that's the kind of thing where if Google decide to push some resources into it, well, what it could be saying, very dangerous. You don't think they want to? <laughs> I think the reason some people argue the reason why they may be reluctant is because Expedia and Priceline, I'm sure you've seen some of their commercials, are huge ad spenders. And I think the numbers for those two companies, they make up about five percent of Google's advertising revenue. Five so, percent of all of Google's advertising so, revenue. So you know, the issue there being do they really want to cannibalize or essentially, you know, get on the bad side of yeah, bite, who are bite very, the hand that feeds who's you. essentially yeah, very substantial customers. This is it's unrelated to what we're talking about, but it's kind of interesting how Google always cites non-search engines as their competition because uh, what was it, Sergey Brenner, uh, somebody over at Google noted that Amazon is actually their main competition because when you go to look for some, you know, what a backpack costs or something, you go to Amazon and not to Google, and they want you to go to Google. Yeah, so. yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I, it's interesting that they can't do the flights because logically you should be able to just type in DC to Orlando, blah, blah, blah on Google, but they might get nervous if you do that. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Amazon too, because, you know, there's somebody else who's known for having another company that has a reputation for when they want to get into a new venture, into a new market, they're very aggressive. And they are kind of testing the waters now with something called Amazon Destination. So this is focused on... You know, a handful of select markets, uh, New York, L.A., Seattle. And it's also focused on the idea of, like, getaway destinations, which are basically within kind of, like, a reasonable travel distance of these areas. Um, they only have – I'm pretty sure it only offers hotel bookings at the moment. But, you know, if things take off for this and they decide to go to a national level, who knows what else that can mean for the competition in the industry. That uh, that Bezos is pretty much a relentless competitor. He uh – 
Yeah. I checked that out. I completely slipped my mind. But yeah, I checked that out when it came out, the Amazon uh, new business line they have the there. Yeah, yeah, and it has a, a very northeasterny feel to it. So, Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like coastal Maine. <laughs> Well, there you go. I think that might have to do with, like I said, their focus on you know a few of these markets. One of them being New York. Yeah, it seems like we've got the barriers to entry. You make a website, are obviously a little bit lower, but you need the technology to be able to pull all this data and everything. But um, yeah, maybe the Airbnbs and the Amazons and everything they could actually generate some modest competition for Priceline's properties and Expedia and stuff. It's po- it's definitely possible. Um, you know, I think overall after the this m and a activity kind of starts slowing down you have these two big players between priceline and expedia they're certainly in really good positions though you know i don't want to completely say that you know the growth is their growth trajectory is is, is not good because they're going to be a good position to sign up more hotels for their services negotiate good rates for customers negotiate commissions for themselves so it's you know the more market share they hold frankly the better they're going to be for any negotiations yeah, it seems for like for these companies at the end of the day, they're the proof to me that they're going to have bright futures has been their ability to create local websites and the success they've had cuz one of the biggest barriers to like a, you know, a Walmart right now for example, they can't expand outside the United States to save their lives. And Target got, you know, destroyed in Canada and stuff and I mean these American companies like Priceline and everything, they've been able to create these localized websites in the local language get basically locals to create the website for them and it's it's worked super well for them yeah um and the the big market for a lot of companies these days for a lot of companies being china you know that i think china's now is the biggest spender for tourism and travel um but i'm pretty sure a very small percentage of their bookings in that in, the, in that country are done online, so there's a huge opportunity there. As that develops, I would not be surprised if people are going to be scrambling trying to uh, pick up a piece of that pie. For sure. Well, before we go, do you have any? Uh, what if you had to pick one stock in this industry, which one would you pick? I think I'd go with Priceline. I really like the valuation. Um, like you said, some of those RE numbers are very impressive. Uh, it's not that I don't like Expedia. It's just that you know they picked up Wotif last year, the Australian travel company. They have Travelocity in January. They have Orbitz in February. That's a lot of integration uh, that they're going to need to do. Maybe need to slow it down. And yeah. um, you know that's just a little bit of uncertainty and risk for them. And I think Priceline, where it's at, is definitely a good option as More well. More growth. Very cool. I happen to agree with you. For cool. sure. Very good. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Vince. Thank you, Sean. And uh, before we go, listeners, I wanted to make everybody aware of a special offer for all of our industry-focused listeners. If you are looking for more foolish stock ideas, ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We are offering the lowest price out there for all of our industry-focused listeners. That is $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You will get two stock recommendations every single month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com and take advantage of that deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely what you hear on this program. For Vincent Shen, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!